Amen. I'm glad we're saved this morning, I'll tell you. Let's look in uh, uh, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I want to share a message entitled, Safe in His Arms. Well, Psalm 91. We're going to begin reading verse 1. Read down to verse 10. <clears throat> Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the uh, uh, noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the precious word of God. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that we can turn to um, our Savior and know that there is safety and refuge in our God. I'm thankful, Lord, that when things fall apart around us, Lord, that we still have uh, a, a stable faith that is solid and secure upon Christ and Christ alone. I would pray, Lord, that if there's someone here this morning who's not saved, that they might understand the way of salvation and come to faith in Christ today, be able to leave here knowing that they've been born again, they're a new creature in Christ. I pray for every believer this morning that you might encourage us and strengthen us. Bless us, Lord. Speak to us. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher and guide through the Word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 2. It says, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. And my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. We had our choir sing this song this morning, Safe in His Arms. And that's why I got my title for this message is Safe in His Arms in light of everything that's going on in the crazy world in which we live. I wanted to be a, try to be an encouragement this morning and try to put things in perspective for you uh, to be able to know that you can still trust in the living God. Uh, All those who live in communion with God are constantly safe. That's what it tells us in verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I think there's one thing as believers in Christ, we need to remind ourselves in times of tragedy and discomfort and trials, uh, we still are a people of faith. We still have a God who's on the throne of heaven. We still have a God who's going to take care of us and bless us. And so we understand that there's constant safety as we commune with the living God. Uh, There is serenity and security of mind at all times. And uh, we may be be, uh, just kind of shook up sometimes, but wait a minute. When we really face reality, we know that we can trust in the living God and that he is with us. The world is constantly trying to rob us of the peace and security that we have as believers in Christ. The world may be full of fear, but God has not given us fear. Uh, The world may be falling apart, but the Christian doesn't fall apart. 
And the reality is our faith goes on irregardless of what goes on in the world. And the reality of God is the same. When trouble comes, we must put things and keep things in perspective. And Psalm 56 in verse 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And I'm not saying that, the, that there's times when we don't feel discomforted or we don't feel distressed or we don't uh, and, and fall in a spirit of fear. But wait a minute. When we face our faith and trust in the living God, those things flee from us because we're insecure in who Christ is. So safe in his arms. I just want to go through a few statistics before we get into the body of the message this morning. And in reference to data that's come from the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and just to take a look at where things are in America right now, and especially here in New Jersey. According to the CDC, in reference to the flu season, in 2019, during the flu season, 34,000 people died of the flu in 2019. Uh, in the United States right now in 2020, just for this year so far, uh, there is an excess of 20,000 people who have died because of the flu. Now, I don't hear any of that on the radio. don't hear any of that on the news. I don't see any of that, that being publicized and blasted across the news networks. But that's a reality of what actually has taken place and just with the common flu. Uh, according to back in 2009, we had the H1N1 pandemic, uh, which was known as the flu, uh, swine flu. And uh, the first year that we had to deal with that, uh, literally there were uh, 68.8 million people infected with H1N1. And uh, I'm, I'm getting to a point here because we're going to look at the numbers in reference to where we are right now in America. And uh, literally during that time period, in that first year, 274,304 people were hospitalized. 12,469 people died because of the H1N1 pandemic. The interesting thing is that from April to October 2019, uh, 2009, when that was going on, President Obama did not declare a state of emergency, and nor, nor did he restrict any travel bans or you know, flights or anything like that. And so you need to understand that because in light of what is being pushed and what is being constantly bombarded and jammed down your th throat and your mind about how terrible everything is right now. But the reality is far more people died because of H1N1 than we are even contemplating what's going to take place with this uh, coronavirus. And so uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19, uh, is affecting the world. It says that in the world we have 7.5 billion people in the world. Of those 7.5 billion people, there's 148,895 cases of people that have uh, the coronavirus. Of those that have had the coronavirus in the world, 
5,547 people have died because of the coronavirus. That's among 7.5 billion people. And it just seems like the news media is just painting this bleak, pa panicky picture that we're all going to drop dead. And if you go out, you're going to be infected. And if you get around anybody, oh, my goodness gracious, you're probably a carrier and you're going to put someone else dead. It's absolutely, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It is so ludicrous. Uh, they, in the United States, you might think we're, that we are all, all, everyone in every state is dropping dead the way they report it. But in the United States, there is actually 1,629 cases. Now, that number may have changed. I put these together the other day, and that, this is a fluid number because it's changing every day. But at the time I put this together the other day, it was 1,629 people infected out of 330 million people. Of those, there's 41 deaths. I heard this morning that there was 50 now. But I'm not sure about that number, but this is the number I, well, I was on the CDC website that they gave. 41 people have died. Most of them have died out in Washington State in a nursing home out there, um, not right here. In New Jersey, New Jersey has 9 million people roughly in it. In New Jersey, there's 50 cases. Out of 9 million people, 50 cases. One person died out of 9 million people. But, oh, we better go run to the stores. We'll buy everything that's in the store. We better quarantine ourselves and we better shut down church. And we better shut down schools and we better shut down. What is wrong with people? I've never seen people so scared to death and so worried about what life has to deal, deal to them because of what the news media is, is presenting. Personal response. There needs to be a personal response that is solid and secure. And uh, that is in reference to the reality that 80% of people who do get the coronavirus has a very moderate or mild reaction to it. It's interesting that they're not reporting the statistics of people who have gotten the coronavirus and have recovered. I mean, I saw a thing the other day, or I heard it on the radio, or whatever, said that like 60,000 people have gotten the coronavirus and have recovered from it. And, uh, but they don't want to report that because that doesn't create panic among the society. The coronavirus is transmitted person to person. So that's why we have to keep our distance, amen? Stay away from me, unclean. Uh, transmitted person to person. So what do you do with that? Exercise good hand hygiene. Wash your hands, amen? Teach your kids to wash their hands. They're going crazy over this whole thing with the hand sanitizer. The reality is different doctors have been reporting you don't want to use too much of the hand sanitizer because that breaks down your immune system to be able to fight off the germs that get on your hands anyway. And so excessive, extreme measures only complicate and compound the problem. Social distancing. I was, <laughs> I was laughing 
and no, because my wife saw this uh, video. I'm not going to tell you what's all it's on there, but it was funny. And the guy was had a pole that was ten foot long, and uh, he was walking around. He said, "This is how you deal with social dis distancing." And you <laughs> you get closer to his pole, I hit you with the pole, and. Uh, <laughs> People, some of you are not laughing, but you'll get over it. It'll be, it's all right to be funny and laugh once in a while. But uh, social distancing, and yet, yet people, people know that, but they're packing the stores together. I'm not going in the store, all these crazy people in there. I don't keep my distance, amen. There's personal responsibility, whether you get the flu or whether you get the cold. You understand Right now is the cold season. Right now is the flu season. There are people that are going to sneeze that don't have coronavirus. <laughs> I heard a story the other day of a, an airline had to land, emergency landing, because one person sneezed on the airplane and people went crazy on the airplane. What is wrong with us? You know, people say, well, I don't understand how the Antichrist will take control of things and be able to have a one-world government. You're watching it. You're watching it take place. I think there's a greater threat to our society than this coronavirus. And I believe it's in, in regards to irresponsible reporting that creates panic. And uh, it's, it's a shame what they have done uh, in the constant badgering and belligerently reporting statistics like everybody is dropping dead around you. Financial ruining. Uh, the stock market, the other day, I saw the stock market, I heard a thing, it said it fell three, lost three, three trillion dollars. Three trillion dollars. I like to have maybe 500, amen? Three trillion dollars because of all this. They said it was the worst loss in the stock market since 1987. I'm gonna tell you what's gonna have a far more devastating effect on our society is not the coronavirus, it's the financial market. Businesses are not functioning, businesses are not operating, uh, because of this whole thing of, of forced quarantines and all this, that, and the other. And uh, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's going to be a problem. Government control. I was reading some things about this bill that the House just passed. You understand the bill that everybody's praising and lauding everybody for passing. Do you understand that it gives the government more control over you and your assets? It gives the government more control in spending more money. Eight, I think it's $8 billion or something they approved. And the amazing thing is this, the people are wanting the government to do that. I don't want the government to tell me I have to be quarantined. I don't want the government telling me I can't go to work. I don't want the government regulating what my income is and how I live, but yet people are willful to go ahead and allow that to take place. These are danger signs, folks, I'm going to tell you. And it's far more dangerous than what the coronavirus is. As a Christian, I don't need, believe that we ought to go to extremes. I remember when I was in Bible college, Dr. Malone always used to tell us, men, stay in the middle of the road. Stay in the middle of the road. Don't run off to the right. Don't run off to the left. Stay in the middle of the road. 
I don't believe in extremes. I don't believe that with this tragedy and this virus that's going on in America that we as Christians ought to ignore it. As soon as you say something like I'm saying, there's going to be somebody saying that I'm an idiot and don't believe in science and what kind of person are you? You don't care about people and that's not true at all. But we don't ignore what goes on in the world that we live in. However, neither do we create panic in people by going berserk because of the fact some things may be out of our control or some things may be uncomfortable or some things may be dangerous that we have to deal with. Uh, we don't go that extreme either. So there is this balance that we need to say, okay, let's do what we can to, to manage sickness or, or illness in our life or in others, and let's not uh, go living our lives where we have to throw everything out and destroy everything that we are as a people and as a nation and everything else just because of the fact that we have a virus come. The reality is there's another one coming. When this one is over, there's another one's coming. So what are you going to do But then? The Christian needs to remind themselves that we are safe in the arms of God. And no matter what goes on, we're safe in the arms of God. In verse 2 of our text, says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. No matter what goes on, no matter what takes place, we just trust in the living God, and God will take care of us. Does that mean that none of us will be sick? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that when we do get sick, that God is with us, and we're safe in his arms. Uh, you, are you saying, okay, well, you don't have to, you're saying we don't have to worry about anything or take responsibility? No, I'm not saying that at all. Because the Bible says that we are to provide for our own. Our Bible tells us that we are to work hard. It tells us that we are to worship the Lord. It tells us we are supposed to be a witness for God. It tells us that all these things that we're supposed to be, and so we don't ignore those things because there's a tragedy or difficulty that we're going through. We remind ourselves that we're safe in the arms of God. So first of all, I want you to see that the Lord is my protector. In verse 2 says, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. So the Lord is my protector. That literally means that he is my shelter. He is the place or the one that I run to when I need safety. And verse 3 says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And we have a noisome pestilence in the land. And I'm thankful that we can run to our God as our shelter in the midst of the storm and know that he can deliver us from the pestilence. In Psalm 94 in verse 22 tells us, But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And so there is a place of shelter for us to, to hide or for us to abide in uh, when the storms of life come. So what does that mean? It means my emotions are settled. I, I'm not going to act like a crazy man. I, I'm not going to lose all sense of reality. I'm God has given us, not given us the spirit of fear, but what does it follow through with? But a sound mind. And so because God is my shelter, because he is my refuge, uh, because of the fact that he is my defense, uh, I know this, that my emotions don't have to be rattled. I don't have to respond in an irresponsible way because my emotions are raw. 
I find hope and I find peace in the reality of all that God is. And so the Christian in these days, in these times, needs to be settled in the reality that God is your shelter. He is my protector. Listen, I've watched God protect me through all kinds of situations. Whether it was driving and, and uh, there's accidents around you, or whether it was providing for us and protecting us when our house got robbed when we were in Michigan, or whatever it may be, financially providing for us, I just know this, that my God is bigger than coronavirus. And my God is stronger than what the stock markets and everything else may be in the world we live in. And I go to my God and my emotions are settled because of the fact my God is my protector. That's who I depend on. So he's my shelter. Not only that, he's my shield. In verse 2 it says, uh, and he's not only my refuge, but he's my fortress. I always think of a fortress, of a place that has walls around it, uh, where you're, you're protected from all the evil that is on the outside. That's why verse 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You can still depend on the word of God. You can just still depend on what God has said. People look at the word of God and say, well, wait a minute. You know, God's tarried his coming. Then the Bible must not be true. No, God's still going to fulfill what he prophesied he would fulfill. And he is my shield. In Psalm 18 and 2 says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. And so when I acknowledge the fact that he is my shield, that means my life is protected. I am hid in Christ, and because I am hid in Christ, if God be for us, who can stand against us? And we need to remind ourselves that, wait a minute, we, we hide under the wings of the shadow of the Almighty, and in that position that I have a life that is blessed and a life that is protected. You say, well, wait a minute, what happens if you get a disease and you die? I'm going to heaven. It, it doesn't get worse for the Christian. It gets better for the Christian. And so there's no reason for us to run around and live a life of fear and, uh, and think that we cannot continue to exist. Things may change socially. Things may change financially. Things may change academically. The world is in a constant flux and a constant changing. But God is still the one who is shielding us and protecting us and giving us life that is abundant and free in Christ. And so the Lord is my protector. He's my shelter. He's my shield. He's my solitude. That's why it says in uh, verse 2, it says, I, um, oh, I guess I better get back to my text. I'm like, that's not what I'm reading. Uh, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust. So he's my solitude. In verse 5 and 6, thou shalt not be afraid of, for the terror by the night. You know, I'm glad the psalmist said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And we might not be uh, excited about what we're going through in the darkness of this world, but wait a minute. He said, you will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness 
nor for the destruction that wastes that noonday. He said, listen, no matter what goes on, you can be in a state of solitude because, but when I trust, but I trusted in thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my God, Psalm 31 and verse 14. So what does that mean? That means my expectation is secure. I still believe that the trumpet of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. I still believe that. I still believe that, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I still believe that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I still believe that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I just believe that God is one I can trust in. My expectation is secured in Christ. You're trying to find hope and you're trying to find in this any, uh, uh, security in this world, forget it. So in this time, dealing with all these things with the coronavirus, and we're trying to observe and maintain a sense of obedience or whatever the laws are, and we have to make decisions about our Christian school and, and all these things what we have to deal with in reference to uh, mandates and everything and uh, also disinfecting things. We had a parent... We had a parent actually send my wife a thing on Facebook. Well, you're having, because she put on there, we're having church today as normal. And they sent her a thing. Well, I just want to know, is the, is the school going to be uh, sanitized before Monday morning? I felt like sending a note back and say, no, we're taking a lot of dirt and germs and spreading it around over there. I'm telling you, this thing is ridiculous. It is completely out of control. And we have to recognize the fact that the Lord is my protector. And so my expectation is the same. I'm not changing my hope. I'm not changing my expectation for tomorrow. I'm building it up and being strengthened in the reality that God is able to protect me. So the Lord is my protector. The Lord is my defense in verse 7 and 8. Says a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand by thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. And only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so notice the Lord is my defender. Uh, he fights for us and he defends us. So what does that mean to us? It means that I'm not overwhelmed due to size. Now, it says here, a thousand shall fall by thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand. The psalmist is just acknowledging the fact that, wait a minute, you don't have to be overwhelmed with the vastness and the greatness of the opposition because the Lord is your defender. And I thought of David, David against Goliath. I mean, David went up against Goliath, and when he went down to fight or to stand to see how the battle was going with the Philistine army, his brothers mocked him, ridiculed him, and really falsely accused him for the reason why he was down there. And David just simply responded, is there not a cause? And folks, let's remember that in the midst of this difficulty that we're going through, there is still a cause. God has a way of getting our attention and God has a way of putting us in, a, in the battle and God has a way of delivering the enemy into our hands. And so let's do what we can to minister to others and do what we can to share our faith with others. 
You say, this is too overwhelming. I don't have to be overcome by the, the size of the opposition because the Lord is still my defender. I thought about this. The Lord is my defender. That means I'm not oppressed due to closeness. Notice this, but it says in verse 7, but it shall not come nigh thee. You know, they, they, they may try to get up against you, may try to overcome you. They may try to intimidate you. I don't have to be oppressed by that. I thought right away of Elijah Dothan. I love reading the story of Elijah Dothan because as he's there, I mean, the, the armies of the enemy were surrounding him and his servant was all worried and all distressed because of the multitude of the Midians that were against Elijah. And Elijah prays that God open his eyes that he could see. And when God opened his eyes, the eyes of the servant of Elijah, he saw the mountains and the hills filled with the angels of God. And I think sometimes when we get overwhelmed with the closeness of the enemy coming to battle against us and trying to destroy us, we need God to open our eyes and see, wait a minute, there's more of God's angels on our side than there are of the enemies of the germs of this coronavirus, amen? Not oppressed but due to closeness. The enemy likes to get close, it likes to get after you. You don't need to be oppressed by that. Well, I see in verse 8, I'm not obstructed due to what I see. Verse 8 says, Only with thine eyes thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked. I, I like what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I want to read that real quick. In thinking about this thing of what we see and what goes on around us. You can look at the what's going on and be distressed because of it. You can look at it and feel like there's obstruction in front of you to be able to go ahead and live your life for Christ. But wait a minute, I don't have to be obstructed by those things. And Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 12 says, and I turn myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. And I thought, boy, that that isn't what we have to look at. We have to turn ourselves to look at wisdom, madness, and folly. He said, when I turn myself to behold wisdom, madness, and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness. And so what is he saying? He's saying, well, wait a minute. In verse 14, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. And so Solomon just acknowledging this. Wait a minute. I don't need to be obstructed because of what I see. Because when I really look to God, I see the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God drives away uh, the foolishness of man and the madness of man just as light drives away darkness. And so I don't have to be obstructed due to what I see. It gets discouraging sometimes to see all this foolishness going on. It gets distressful, but I don't need to be overwhelmed by it. Why? Because the Lord is my protector. The Lord is my defender. 
Number three, the Lord is my Savior. Back in our text verse, in verse 9 and 10, it says, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. So the Lord is my Savior. I just see my humility. My humility. Why? He says, Even the Most High, thy, you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, you've made the Lord, which is the Most High, thy habitation. So he's acknowledging the fact that the psalmist is acknowledging the reality that he's humbled in the presence of God, that he's dwelling in the safety of Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? He said, Because my burden is light. The amazing thing is life gets heavy and life gets burdensome. And the truth of the matter is because God is my Savior, then I come to him in a spirit of humility, not demanding things of God, but surrendering my life to God. And he becomes my habitation. That's where I abide. That's where I dwell is in the presence of God Almighty. And in that place, there is safety and there is deliverance and there is salvation. So my humility. I see my security in verse 10. It says, there shall no evil befall thee. You know, I'm glad that in the presence of God there is sweetness and blessing and holiness. I'm glad that Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm glad that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he that believeth in me, though you are dead, yet shall he live. I'm thankful that there is complete security in who Jesus Christ is. And folks, you've got to find your security in Christ. He is your Savior. He is the one that has set you free, and he didn't save you to destroy you. He saved you to bless you, and so live in the realm of Christ being your Savior. My humility, my security... And then in verse 10, I see my stability. It says, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I am thankful that I am stable in Christ. I don't need to be tossed to and fro and bounced around with every wind of doctrine. In John chapter 16, Jesus has been warning his disciples that he was going to die, that he's going to be crucified and that he would, uh, would be buried and he would rise again. And in John chapter 16, in verse 29, says, His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee, but thee, this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Now listen what Jesus said. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? All the warnings, all the illustrations, all the comments about what he was going to suffer and their response is, well, we really believe that you did come from God. And Jesus confronts them. So, so now you believe? I mean, do we really believe what we say we believe? We're supposed to be people of faith. In verse 32, he says, Behold, the hour cometh. He said, you're dealing with what I've already revealed to you, what's going to be difficult for you to face 
and go through, and now you believe me? He said, now let me remind you of something. Behold, the hour cometh. What is he saying? It's not over yet. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And I thought, boy, the masses of people in America are just being scattered. Everybody's being quarantined and everything else. He said, you're going to be scattered, everyone to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And I think that's a great reminder to us that when everything is falling apart and everyone seems to be scattering, God is still with us. And then he says, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's an amazing thing that he confronts them about their faith because they're finally stating that they're believing what he's saying. He said, well, let me tell you a little bit more. You're all going to be offended. You're all going to be scattered. You're all going to leave me, but I know my father's with me. And besides this, let me let you know this. You're going to have tribulation in this world. But the way you get peace is to realize that I've overcome the world. And so he is our savior. He is the one who gives us stability in our life. And the disciples at that point in their life needed stability. And I think believers need to be reminded that, wait a minute, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And that is when we're dwelling in the presence of Christ. You know, in Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 12 and 13, when the children of Israel were uh, under the leadership of Moses and Moses was confronting Pharaoh to let the children of Israel be delivered and be let go out of the land of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You know, it's interesting. I went back and was reading through the different plagues that came upon Israel. You know, those plagues, I mean, the plagues that came upon Egypt, they didn't come upon Israel. And may I just say this, that because the Lord is our Savior, then we can be assured that our life can be stable based on the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary. And there is a healing power, there is a protecting power, there is a delivering power that comes from the reality of what Christ did for us on Calvary. And I just, I just think that we need to bring a sense of peace back to this world. We need to present the Prince of Peace to this world. Uh, people are stressed out. They're maxed out, man, I'll tell you. And they need to know that, hey, everything's going to be all right. I love that little chorus. My wife always laughs when I ever say about it. Everything's all right in my father's house. I love singing that little chorus. I get excited about it. When I'm driving down the, car, in the road in the car, I'll start singing that thing. I'll start directing it. People will be looking at me weird when I pass by them. And I just have fun because everything is all right. Everything in this world is corrupt and it's falling apart and it is full of tribulation. You're not going to escape that. But in my father's house, everything's okay. And I'm glad that he went to heaven to prepare a place for me. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for when I get to heaven. 
And so he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. I want you to know that the Lord is your protector, he is your deliverer, he is your savior, and that was, took place years ago when you trusted him as your personal savior, and hey, it hasn't changed. It still is in place today. And I'm glad I have a God that I can turn to. And so don't let the word, listen, don't let these whacked out news medias and all this, that, and the other cause you to be distressed and distraught and overwhelmed with everything in life. Uh, just realize this, that God is still on the throne. He cares for you. And if he cares for you, then he's going to bless us and he's going to move in our midst. We're doing church just like we always do church. We're not changing church. And I've had different ones say, are you going to cancel church? No, I'm not canceling church. If there's nobody here but me to preach to myself, I'll put a mirror back there and I'll stand here and I'll preach. Amen. But I'll always have Mike back there. I'll make him do the sound. Amen. And hopefully somewhere along the line, he'll get right and come forward. Amen. <laughs> Listen, folks, God is good and he blesses us greatly. Don't allow the world to still fear in your heart. Our God is greater and bigger than all these things. Now, the president asked for us to have a national day of prayer today. He asked for us to pray for the country. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. It goes right along with my message. So what I'd like to do in ending the service today, rather than singing a song and having an invitation and all that, I thought it'd be well if we could just get on our face before God and pray. Maybe you can kneel in the pew where you're at. Maybe you might want to come up here in the altar and pray. But let's take some time this morning and go to God in prayer. Ask him to heal our nation. Ask him to give peace. Ask him to instill hope. Ask him to turn the tide that people will be open to the gospel. And let's ask God to give us an opportunity this week to minister to somebody. That may be showing the gospel to them. It may be encouraging them about what's going on. It may be just offering a prayer. Ask somebody, would you like for me to pray for you? Just ask them. You know, people don't turn down prayers. Oh, no, I want you to pray for me. People, people want somebody to pray for them. And so let's take some time and let's pray, and then I'll come up and close in prayer. But you pray as God would direct you. You can come up here, whatever. Let's go to the Lord. Amen. I come to you, I thank you so much, Lord, for the promises that are in the word of God. I'm thankful, Lord, that no matter what we face or what we go through, Lord, that we're reminded that you're with us. And, Lord, that you'll bless us. I pray for healing, Lord, to be upon our land. I pray for healing upon those that are sick. I pray for health to rest upon us as believers in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that if, if sickness comes, Lord, you would touch and heal. And there would be a, an anointing of the Spirit of God that would be powerful and free. I pray, Lord, that we might be able to testify to others of the grace of God and the mercy of God. I thank you so much, Lord, for blessing us, speaking to us, comforting us, moving in our life. And so I pray for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well,